1: Living in the fourth dimension means existing consciously in both time and space. But for me, it means having conversations that transcend the typical discourse. I wanna take this moment to share something very personal with you. Over the past year and a half, I've been doing some healing and self-reflective work. And through this work, I've had the revelation that I identify as non-binary. With that said, I'll officially be changing my pronouns to they, them, I feel that this best represents the fluidity I feel in my gender expression and allows me to feel most authentic and true to the person I both know I am and still am discovering. In this first episode, I'm excited to share with you what this means to me and what it may look like for other people. I want to make it clear that I'm still learning and coming into myself, and I don't claim to be an expert or a spokesperson. I know this might be a new conversation for many, so I'm inviting my friend Aloke, someone I trust to spend time on this platform. Alok is an author, performer, and an important voice within the non-binary community and beyond. Their work to create visibility, equality, and understanding has inspired me on my healing journey. We'll discuss identity at large, but also take the time to personally reflect on how I came into my truth so that we, like many others, are able to live our lives authentically. In just a minute, I'm going to share space with Alok and dive deeper into this conversation. More after this break.
2: Get iXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off iXL membership when they sign up today at iXL.com slash audio. Visit iXL.com slash audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hi, Boo. Hi.
1: <laughs> I am so excited to have you on here. Everyone, this is my really good friend, Aloke, and this is a topic that is something that is really important for me to discuss because I identify as non-binary. And it, when I think of people who know so much about this topic, I immediately think of you.
3: I just want to start off by saying congratulations.
2: And Thank you. I'm
3: so proud of you. Thank and you. And I want to remind you of the story of how we met. Our mutual friend, Sam, somehow convinced you to join them to come to my poetry show in L.A., and I'll never forget because your laughter, like punctuated everything. <laughs>
2: <Totally>. <laughs> like you were,
3: you were so emotional and evocative and I loved it. And I felt your presence and I was like, who is this feisty person? <laughs> and then you came up to me afterwards and you said, oh my gosh, is being non-binary when you are healed? And I remember being like so surprised because what I experienced in that moment was Demi really understands what I'm saying, and so often when I'm performing and when I'm speaking, it goes over people's head; they don't really get it. But it felt like with you, you resonated.
1: First of all, I'm so grateful that I got to witness your talent in that show because that show changed a lot for me. You know, when I went into the studio with Sam, we had a Sam Smith. They were telling me about how they were identifying as non-binary. And I was curious and asking questions, but they said, you know, why don't you come to this poetry show? One of my good friends is performing and we can, you know, talk about it there and and after. And if you have questions, you can ask them. So I did. And you're right. I laughed at so much, but I also (laughs) was so viscerally like (laughs) there was a visceral like reaction in in me that was screaming this resonates with you and it was the first time in so long that I've ever heard someone else speak my truth and then realize oh that's my truth too whereas like in 2018 when I overdosed I feel like the reason why that happened was because I was ignoring my truth and I was suppressing who I really am in order to please stylists or team members or this or that, or even fans that wanted me to be the sexy feminine pop star in the, in the leotard and look a certain way. You know, I thought that was what I was supposed to be. And now I just realize it's so much more important to live your truth than to ever suppress yourself because That's the type of stuff that happens when you do.
3: My entire life growing up in Texas, I was disassociated. I was living someone else's idea of who I should be. I was so afraid of my own voice. I didn't allow any audio or video recordings. There are so few photos of me growing up because I just wasn't comfortable with the boxes that people were putting me in. And I had so much shame. And I think that's a story for both of us, is that when you have that kind of shame and that repression, it can almost kill you. And that was my experience growing up as a young non-binary person, that everyone mistook as a boy and thought that I should be doing this because I was a boy. Like my biggest dream when I was a child was to be a dancer. And then someone told me, you can't dance, only girls do that. And I remember being devastated and being like, what, like, why is it that whenever I'm joyous, people tell me I can't be that. And now what I've learned is shame is joy interrupted. (gasps) And when I found out about being non-binary and when I met other queer people, my lighthouses, as we like to talk about them, for the first time, it felt like I was coming home to myself. (laughs) It was about hearing my voice and being like, that's my voice hearing my laugh and be like, that's my laugh. It was like looking in the mirror and being like, this is what I've been waiting for my entire life. And so when people ask me what non-binary is, I can give you the definition. We are people who have existed for thousands of years who actually experience ourselves outside of the idea of man or woman. But what I want you to understand is that it comes from a place of deep joy and healing, not from a place of doubt.
1: Sorry. (laughs) Um, I'm just finding myself so emotional because shame is joy interrupted. I can't tell you how much of my life I've lived in shame. Um, That just resonated. And I remember that feeling of coming to your show and hearing my story through your words. Having never met you, there's nothing more freeing for me than to be unattached to a role that society wants me to play. Because I, I fully believe that gender is just another boundary that separates humanity from divine wisdom. If we were to look past these boundaries that separate us and come together, the world would live in so much harmony and so much unity. Okay, so I just want to set the table and kind of start with a few facts. I want to talk about the difference between gender non-binary and gender non-conforming.
3: Non-binary means that you are not exclusively a man nor a woman. Gender non-conforming means you visibly defy society's ideas of what a man or woman should look like. So let me give some examples. There could be a lesbian woman who is gender non-conforming because society would expect her to be feminine, but maybe she's more masculine. But that person wouldn't be non-binary, they were still a woman. Or, there could be a non-binary person who might look like what society traditionally expects a woman or a man to be, but they're still non-binary. So the difference is really about identity versus expression in that way.
1: What is something often that people don't understand about the gender conversation?
3: So one of the misconceptions that I hear oftentimes about non-binary and trans people is that we somehow pose a threat or that we're dangerous or that we're a problem. So what we notice is that the reality of our lives are not what people are engaging with. They're engaging with tropes that they've created about us that have no real bearing on our actual lives. And then I hear this idea that identifying as non-binary or being non-binary is about erasing people's right to be a man or a woman like I get that a lot and I'm just sitting here like (laughs) no (laughs) No, I mean no I have more interesting things to do with my time than take all the gender policing that's happened to me and police other people we're trying to end gender policing actually what moving beyond gender norms is about is fighting for your right to determine what your gender is Which means if you say I'm a woman, you're a woman. If you say a man, you're a man. People always think that gender is what we look like, but that's not necessarily true. It's about who we are. Mm -hmm. So, so often people will doubt us and be like, you're not real because you don't look like this, but that doesn't actually make sense because gender is about what we are on the inside, not necessarily about how we express on the outside.
1: Yes, and I relate to that so much because... You know, I've had thoughts where I'm like, there might be a time where I want to wear a full wig. There might be a time where I, you know, want to dress completely femme presenting. And that doesn't mean that in that moment I'm identifying as a woman. It just means that that's what I want to wear in that moment, (laughs) you know, and I want people to understand that just because I'm non-binary doesn't mean I'm not going to dress the way I want.
3: Gender is not about our appearance. It's about who we are.
1: Okay, I want to talk pronouns. Let's have this conversation.
3: It's so frustrating because people make pronouns way more complicated than it actually is. And I want to break it down really easy for people. We don't make assumptions about people's gender or pronouns based off of what they look like. So what we ask is, hey, what is your name and what are your pronouns? Mm -hmm. It's as simple as that. And then when you mess up because that happens, you just say, oh, sorry, I messed up, I'm gonna work harder. Then you hear the argument that they is not grammatically correct, so people refuse to use it. To which I ask, if you're more concerned about grammar than (laughs) someone else's, like, life identity experience, like, this could go a long way in making someone's day just a little bit better. It's time that you get your priorities not straight but queer and realize (laughs) that, like, actually caring for people and being a good human being is more important.
1: I do want to get into the conversation about pronouns for myself because I think it's important that, you know, I clarify what pronouns I want to use in the future going forward. Um, And to me it would mean the world, if people could start identifying me as they, them. Um, I will also be accepting if people slip and say her, she, because I know that being in my position, it's going to take a while for people to get used to. I just want them to be making the effort. I think it's important because I want to use these pronouns that feel right to me. I also just don't want people to be so afraid of messing up that they don't try to use them.
3: When I started using they them pronouns, I would misgender myself. Like I would forget, (laughs) Same. you know, and it took time for me to learn it. It's not as if trans and non-binary people are born with gender literacy. It's something that we develop in order to be better for each other. Mm -hmm. So if we could do it, you could do it too. And it just takes practice and commitment.
1: And most of the people that you are talking to and if you get it wrong to them, from my experience of meeting non-binary people and having slipped up and I've even said it, I've messed up with you, you know, having you just being like, I'm just appreciative that you're trying to make the effort and that you experience me. um, That was really, really cool. And it made it gave me more confidence It's still, it's a work in progress and, and I, I'm working on it too.
3: I think that's a beautiful message, which is that we're all works in progress. And it's not about like perfection. Mm -hmm. And it's not about, um, like trying to pretend that we're better than people because we have access to language or to whatever. It's about just saying, let's work together to be kinder to each other.
1: Yeah, a thousand percent. I also have faith that the conversations like these are going to spark conversations in places where they're not normally had. Therefore, that'll bring more compassion to those cities, those people, whoever it is that are having those conversations. And maybe it provides an opportunity for someone to say, you know, I really resonate with that too. And I've been not living my truth. And I, and I do think that's what scares a lot of people. I, I know that one of the things we've talked about over the past several months, when I told you that I wanted to come out as non-binary, you know, I, I know that we talked about um, the reaction, how some people might receive this news. And I have to have compassion for anybody that doesn't want to experience my truth because of what it might stir up for them. I understand Mm. that fear. A few years ago, I was still not comfortable with being with a woman, even though I had feelings for someone. And I look back at that time and I I understand now that I wasn't ready and that's okay. So it, it makes me have compassion for the people who aren't ready. But at the same time, I never once was hateful towards anybody that was ready. And I think that's where we have to change.
3: I think a lot about this James Baldwin quote that I, when I was thinking about speaking to you, I wanted to share with you because I think it relates to our experience so well. James Baldwin, an amazing black queer writer once wrote, people cling to their hate so stubbornly because they sense once the hate is gone, they will be forced to deal with the pain. Mm -hmm. And that idea of using hate as a shield to not deal with the pain, I think is so much of the non-binary story Mm -hmm. because the kind of retaliation that we get from people when we say, oh, cool, I'm just being me. And they're like, who do you think you are saying that you're allowed to be yourself? (laughs) They're like, you must choose one. They're like so upset. And I think like, why are you so angry about what we're doing with our own bodies?
1: We have to change the way that we perceive other people's truths. You know, it is about having compassion for someone's dignity as a human being. It is about just having a loving understanding of who they are as a soul on this planet. Um, It's so important. And we can talk about some of those conversations that we had of – what people might have to say, or some questions let's that they might ask it. me. Let's so talk about it. Let's get into it. Let's <laughs> because,
3: do it. honey, you know, people are going to yeah. be ruthless, yeah. and they're going to say, "Demi, you're doing this because you must be overdosing again, or you must be on drugs, or your brain must not be correct," or they're going to say, "You're seeking attention, and you're trying to do this for your career." What would you say to people saying that kind of stuff?
1: I could leave my career today. I'm still going to identify as non-binary tomorrow. For the first time in my life, I'm putting my well-being over my career. Mm. And that's the difference in somebody, you know, I guess doing something for attention and like versus speaking your truth is I know that not everybody is going to love that this is me and this is my truth. I know that people are going to react out of fear I know that it's going to make some people question their own lives and their own situations that they're in. Like I said, I I, I have compassion for them. But this is my truth. And I'm, I can't shove it down or suppress it any longer, or I'll end up where I did a few years ago. Um, and I never want to end up there again. So every day of my life, I'm going to do whatever I can to live my truth to the fullest and be as loud as I can with it so that other people feel comfortable living their truth as well. You said that non-binary people have been around for thousands of years. Would you like to elaborate a little bit more on that of where you've
4: heard of that?
3: There's this prevailing idea right now that being non-binary is a trend that emerges from like Gen Z, millennial social media. And that irritates me to no end, because actually we've been here for thousands of years. So in many indigenous cultures across the world, there was a long spiritual recognition of people outside the Western gender binary that looks like Mushe people in what is now Mexico, Hijra people in what is now India, Two-Spirit people, indigenous peoples to the Americas. That looks like uh, Fafafine people, that looks like um, Bakla people, so many people. And in fact, what happened is with the advent of colonization, those communities were targeted and erased from history. So it's not that we are new, it's that we've been so thoroughly erased that the only response is to be visible. What is new is the words we're using to describe ourselves. And I just wanna say, spoiler alert, all language was made up. And last time I checked, you don't speak Shakespearean English. Like, you understand that language evolves over time to address topics and better communicate. This is not about grammar or language. This is about power. And what I mean by that is they say, be yourself, except if you're an LGBTQ person, right? They say, express yourself, except if you're an LGBTQ person. Invent new language, innovate, except if you're an LGBTQ person. Because we have a society that is so homophobic and transphobic, they're going to basically try to delegitimize us at every way. That's why I believe in non-binary joy. Because we are showing the world, okay, you think that we're these like miserable self-hate? No, baby. We are free and happy and singing and loving and living. And
1: by the way, anybody who questions about how happy we are now versus how happy we were 10 years ago, just go look at our emo pictures. Like (laughs) we were at the shows, we were screaming along to those lyrics and we were in pain because we were so miserable. We weren't accepting ourselves for who we are today.
3: Living under the gender binary is painful for everyone because it makes us feel from a young age that love is contingent on disappearing ourselves and to fitting into what other people think we should be.
2: Mm-hmm. The
3: only way that gender norms work is through punishing people. And I think for a long time, I used to think that the violence I was experiencing as a trans, gender non-conforming and non-binary person was because I was broken. Because no one told me how hard it was going to be, and and I want to prepare you because it's hard. Mm -hmm. No one told me that, okay, look, you're going to spend your entire life waiting for this moment, then declare your truth, and absolutely people are not going to receive you for it. They're going to invalidate you. They're going to spit at you on the street. They're going to laugh at you. They're going to physically attack you. They're going to make lies about you. They're going to misattribute quotes to you. They're going to mutilate your images, turn you into memes, tell you to die. And if someone had told me that when I was a a young person, I would have been like, I'm not going to sign up for this. But what I want to tell young people who are listening is, yes, there's all this violence. But there's also so much goddamn joy that every single day I am living my truth, my impossible truth, that I am living my wildest dreams. And it's allowed me to feel so much love that I never could feel before, so much happiness, so much community and so much purpose. I would never give it up. So I was wondering if you could speak a little bit about that pursuit of joy in your own life because I thought that was so resonant for me in your documentary.
1: The pursuit of joy in my own life came when I rejected everything that I had kind of surrendered to uh, in a sense where like I got engaged to a dude and was like, okay, maybe this is – Maybe this is it, you know, and I, it still didn't feel right. And I knew when things didn't work out, I knew why it didn't feel right. It's because I wasn't being myself. And ever since I've been myself, ever since I cut my hair off, like I wanted to say back when I cut my hair off, I'm cutting my hair off because for so many years, I've been the femme-presenting woman, that everyone sees me as the Disney pop star. Like they just, they know me as that. And it's like me cutting my hair off was, was years of gender conforming. Um, It was years of stereotypes that I was trying to fit into in order to gain validation from more audiences or, you know, more people like I was doing whatever I could to seek joy in other areas of my life, but couldn't ever really feel it until I started being myself. And being myself, what it looks like to me, I cut my hair, you know, I, I wear what I want. I wear makeup some days and I don't wear makeup other days. Sometimes you can't tell what I'm presenting as. Like it just, I'm so, I'm so free now. So that's what I'm right. doing and like I'm living with my friends and I'm still a successful boss bitch, you know, or boss person now because <laughs> I will say though, sometimes I am going to have to choose one because there are certain terms that it's like, like I was you in get the South. You to choose
3: what terms you use for yourself. Doesn't exactly.
1: <laughs> But even as non-binary, I was thinking about this. I was like, okay, I was in Texas, right? And I was like would I be a cow girl or a cowboy? And then I was like, no, I'd be a cow human. And that just doesn't sound good. So I'm gonna go with one or the other. <laughs> like in situations like that, I'm gonna have to pick one because I don't right. want to be a cow person. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know, I think that what you're saying about living life on your own terms is so powerful because what this shows is that this is not just a story about gender. This is a story about healing. And what I mean by that is healing looks like recognizing that you, your job on earth is to live your best life. So all of the energy that you had where you're trying to fit into yourself, sculpt yourself mm-hmm. physically, emotionally, intellectually, politically, and as someone else's idea of what you should be, now all that energy and time belongs to you.
1: You know, having experienced sexual trauma, I have had... Ideas and beliefs about men that I placed on men due to what I had experienced. I can't tell you how freeing it is to accept that a part of myself is masculine and I'm not shunning it anymore, nor am I living in fear of appe- appealing to that person anymore. When I say that I feel spiritually healed, it's because. I've let go of those resentments against the people that policed those genders onto me. Mm,
4: I've right. let
1: go of the resentments that I held onto by specific genders that had caused pain on me because I right. can accept those genders within myself as well. Everyone's healing looks different. This is just what mine looks like for me. I was just waiting for the right time to for it to feel good. You know, like, yes, I want to talk about this. And right. and let it sit in and, and have time to process it before I tell people.
3: And I want to reiterate to people listening, you spent so much time thinking about this. And you spent so much time reading and trying to figure out if this is what you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So often people dismiss us as just this, like, fickle or, like, making it up. But it's like, we know that there's going to be backlash. We know that people aren't going to understand us. We know that people are going to make fun of us. And we still do this. Mm -hmm. So that actually shows that we're living in our truth. And y'all are the ones that are confused. (laughs) Because we know that there are things that are worth compromising so much of our safety and our mental health for. Because authenticity is worth it, right? Mm
1: -hmm. The goal of this podcast for me, is to, I jokingly say, elevate humanity to the fourth dimension. But low key, that kind of is like my purpose. (laughs) Like I want to. Um, I just want to help raise the vibrations and frequencies on Earth. You know, I want to make this place a better world to live in. I want it to be a safe environment for every person on this planet. And I'm probably going to make A lot of people upset by having these conversations that are uncomfortable to have but they're important and so i ask that people listen to these conversations with an open heart and an open mind so that we can together figure out how to become a more united species on this planet it's so important that we lift each other up and that we try to hear each other out for our differences but yet have compassion and understanding for things that we don't know and treat each other with respect. Right. How has your life changed since you fully embraced yourself?
3: I'm going to be very honest with you. Even though I have so much more self-acceptance and clarity and friends, I'm in danger. And it's it's really a travesty that in 2021 I can't go outside as, my, as myself without fearing physical violence. And that's what makes me feel so upset about this conversation, because people will always be like, these people just want to be different. I'm literally compromising my safety every single day. And what I hope is that people can actually read my poetry, come to my performances, and learn that the world is so much more beautiful if you accept people for who they are, rather than punishing them into who you think that they should be.
1: What does living in your truth mean for you?
3: It means living, being alive, because I was just existing before. Mm. And that's huge for me because now I can watch movies and like cry and laugh. I can listen to music and feel it in every cell of my being. I can love so ardently. And I know we share that when we fall, we fall so hard. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) And I can feel deep grief that I didn't access before. And now I realize that life is in 4D. And that life is worth living. And that I'm so glad to be here every day because I made the choice to be here.
1: Ugh. This was the best way to start the podcast was having a conversation with one of my closest friends, someone who has helped me through this journey and understand more about it. Even when I have questions, Um, it's been so rewarding to, to know you through all of this and to have you by my side. And I just thank you and, and I hope everyone else got something great out of this conversation too.
3: I just want to say thank you, Demi, for entering my life as a lighthouse and reminding me what this is all about, being alive. Um, I think that our job as artists is to make life livable. And there's so much pain and anguish and inequality and suffering, especially facing our community. In 2021, we see the most ever anti-trans discrimination ever in U.S. history and so many people right now are feeling impossible and i want to make the 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 sort of claim to the world that hope and healing are possible
4: yeah. because
3: by practicing self-compassion for yourself you have such deep and insatiable compassion for the world
1: god that's so encouraging and empowering to hear and i'm so honored to be able to call you a friend this was something that resonated with me so deeply that I found life possible to live again Hmm. and that's what I want to share with the world and I want to tell people it's okay to be free and you deserve the best because you're just an incredible human and I love you and thank you for coming on here today
3: thank you for having me
1: oh my gosh of course
4: This has been a presentation of OBB Sound, SB Projects, and Cadence 13. 4G with Demi Lovato is hosted and executive produced by me, Demi Lovato. Executive produced by Michael D. Ratner, Scott Ratner, Elias Tanner, Scooter Braun, Scott Manson, James Shen, Jen McDaniels, Scott Marcus, Chris Corcoran. Produced by Grace Delia. Associate produced by Caitlin Plummer. Chloe Borenstein-Lowy, edited by S.R. Meredith, Danielle Billiou, Ryan Dayhoff, mixed and mastered by Chris Basil. Production support from Arlen Konopaki, Kia Ragabi, Paige Himson, Sean Cherry, Serena Reagan. Cadence 13 is an Odyssey company. This has been a presentation of OBB Sound, SB Projects, and Cadence 13. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes available now on Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.